truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to join us too. That's 888-900-3393. And let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. All right. Coming up a little bit later on, one of the stalwarts in the conservative movement, uh, Brent Bozell, who's been responsible for uh, doing a lot of show prep uh, for guys like me over the years and getting like no credit for it. Uh, He will be joining us from the Media Research Center here at the bottom of the hour. He's had some interesting conversations recently, I believe, Todd, with some of the uh, social media bigwigs about censorship of conservatives online. In DDS? Yes, we'll get a report uh, back from Brett Bozell about that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we have, I mean, every Theology Thursday we do is important, all right? Um, Because theology is a preeminent subject matter. This one, though, we think is extra special important. Therefore, it may take the entire hour to break it down. We'll see. If it doesn't, Aaron will be ready with our weekly three non-political questions. But, uh, but this Theology Thursday topic, especially if you saw some of the comments on my Facebook page in response to it a couple of days ago, this one requires some, some extra special care and attention, and we'll be giving it the, the attention and care it deserves coming up in the next hour of the show. But before we get to all of those things, here's Aaron letting us know about what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by the Fake News Meteorology. This was the originally protected path of the hurricane in its early stages. As you can see, almost all models predicted it to go through Florida, also hitting Georgia and Alabama. I accept the fake news apologies. There was some big hubbub recently about uh, Vice President Mike Pence staying at a Trump hotel during his recent visit to Ireland. When asked about it, President Trump said, I had no involvement other than it's a great place. It's Dunbeg. I own it. It's in Ireland. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I just really felt like you needed to know the top two stories of the montage today. They're just stories that have, I'm sure, such a huge impact on everyone's lives. Moving on, Labor Department czar Leif Olson has been reinstated to his position after being falsely accused of anti-Semitism earlier this week by Bloomberg and subsequently stepping down. CNN hosted a seven-hour town hall with presidential candidates focusing on one thing, the climate. You may think this is suffering. No. It is salvation. The universal scales tip toward balance because of your sacrifice. Oh, I'm sorry, I got the clips mixed up. Here you go. This is the hardest thing we will have done, certainly in my lifetime as a country. This is on par with winning World War II, perhaps even more challenging than that. Too often times, it's people who are poor, communities of color, who take the brunt of storms that are getting more frequent and more powerful. And so my plan actually calls for new civil rights legislation to be able to address environmental injustice. There are a lot of ways that we try to change our energy consumption and our pollution. And 
God bless all of those ways. Some of it is with light bulbs. Some of it is on straws. Some of it is on cheeseburgers, right? Human population growth has more than doubled in the past 50 years. The planet cannot sustain this growth. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, Martha, the answer is yes. (laughs) And the answer has everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies. Look what's happened in the Midwest. We have a number of significant bases that relate to uh, military bases that relate to our national security that, in fact, were rendered almost useless, including I, I can't go into the great detail to, to say it, but my, my, my point is. It, it significantly reduced our national security. Moving on, the lawyer for the main Brett Kavanaugh accuser, Christine Blasey Ford, spoke recently about Ford's motivations for coming after Kavanaugh. Elections have consequences, but he will always have an asterisk next to his name. When he takes a scalpel to Roe v. Wade, we will know who he is, we know his character, and we know what motivates him, and that is important. It is important that we know And that was part of what motivated Christine. Bernie Sanders was in New Hampshire when this happened. Do I hear you correctly say that you have to cut your pills in half yourself? We can keep that down a little bit. Joe Biden spoke to Stephen Colbert about his ongoing gaffes. Follow-up question. Are you going nuts? (laughs) Look, the reason I came on the Jimmy Kimmel show is because I'm, I'm not. Okay, that was kind of funny. Bad actress Deborah the Mess Messing is in hot water. She wants to create a blacklist of Trump supporters and is being accused of McCarthyism. The Pope was reportedly quoted yesterday as saying it is, quote, an honor if the Americans attack me. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, what if the Mexicans attack you? ¿Qué pasa si los mexicanos te atacan? The popular prosperity gospel personality Benny Hinn says he's renouncing the prosperity gospel. And today, sadly, among a lot of circles, all you hear is how to build the flesh. It's a feel-good message. That's what you hear out there. It's all about feel good, do good, all that. Make money, all the rest of it. And I'm sorry to say, that prosperity has gone a little crazy. And I'm correcting my own uh, 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 theology. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give a thousand dollars. I think it's offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give a thousand or whatever amounts because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. And finally, the following commercial played during last night's seven-hour CNN Climate Crisis Town Hall. CNN Presidential Town Hall, The Climate Crisis. Golden Corral's juicy, endless sirloin and saucy St. Louis-style ribs really put the meat in Meet Me in St. Louis. And that's what happened while we were away. I didn't think it would get me twice. 
<clears throat> you got me once on the <laughs> with the Mexicans attack you. Aaron. Aaron, Todd and I both laughed out loud at that. Your Christmas right. bonus may have just gotten bigger right there. <laughs> All right, but the fact you got me twice. <laughs> okay, Corral. Red meat ads. Uh, we have an outstanding sales team here at Blaze, at the Blaze, but I think we need to add one more. Whoever is the media buyer over at the OK Corral, send us your resume. All right? You're in the wrong line of work there, brother or sister. Okay? Can I, can I just say one of my favorite things about I get in earlier than you and Aaron gets earlier than me, but I sit I sit down and while Aaron's doing the montage and every once in a while, I just, he's just laughing to himself. And, he's, you know, he's just like... It's coming like a, together nicely. Like a, like a mad scientist <laughs> yes, there. Yes, In a, It's alive! <laughs> yeah. It's alive! Yesterday's montage was lacking, so I was I was very pleased with today's. Hey, if you have been trying to get healthy this year and you're struggling, you're wondering, why can't I control my appetite? I'm working out, I'm doing this, the things that uh, they, they told me to do, but I'm still struggling with, with portion sizes and craving control. Uh, that's why I want to tell you about Riduzone, which sponsors Aaron's Outstanding Montage today. You know, your brains are wired for survival to save calories and and that's why sometimes, no matter how much you eat, uh, you'll feel like you're full. And and that's why there was a molecule, uh, this signal that goes from uh, from the tummy to the brain. It's called OEA that was supposed to let the brain know when you are full and it's time to stop eating for various reasons. However, for some of us, it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And that's where Riduzone comes in. That could be the missing link or molecule in, in, in you getting to achieve some of your health goals here this year. All right. FDA accepted Riduzone. It's developed just simply to put that OEA back in the body. And now you can use it uh, for 30% off for three months. If you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, when you go to the website, Riduzone.com, 30% off a three-month supply. Again, FDA accepted. I've used this in the past. No side effects at all. There's only three ingredients. It's not loaded with chemicals or stimulants, caffeine. It's just OEA. Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. All right, let's get to what was in Aaron's montage. First point of order. We're going to discuss the comments from Christy Blasey Ford's attorney uh, coming up in the overtime today. So if you're a Blaze TV subscriber... We think that that topic needs a, it's an its own conversation, uh, and um, and there's other stuff we got to get to in this montage. So we're going to set that one aside and give it its own conversation for our Blaze TV subscribers today. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, take advantage of my name again and get a discounted subscription to the Blaze and get all of our uh, content that we do exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers right here at blazetv.com slash my last name Dace. BlazeTV.com slash Dace, and you'll catch today's overtime uh, post-show show. Um, well done by Joe Biden. More and more, self-deprecation almost always works for politicians, provided you don't try to lay it on too thick and too ridiculous. Um, you know, there was a moment, I remember, before the Iowa caucuses where Michelle Bachman went on it, I think I want to say it was The Tonight Show. And Jay Leno asked her about gay marriage and she tried to make some crack about praying the gay away. And I remember thinking there was like anywhere else in America I wanted to be other than watching the aftermath of this clip because it was exceedingly uncomfortable. All right. That's a rare example. Most of the time, provided you don't try to go, you know, uh, too far with it. Self-deprecation always works for politicians. And so that was a winning moment for Joe Biden. It's also, I think, the only good moment that he has had as a candidate 
it's still technically summer. So maybe this whole summer. You know, these debates started right around when summertime began, late June. Both of his debates were a disaster in between and after these debates. He's just, it's been a gaffathon. You know, I don't know if you saw this. It, it, you, could, you can kind of see it a little bit in the clip from last night's climate uh, summit that CNN had. But, you know, presidential candidates that are going to be 77 years old here soon. Who, and he can't even string a sentence together in that, in that clip that Aaron is showing. He had a blood vessel or something in his eye explode on him in, during that debate last Pretty night. Pretty nasty. And it was, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, yeah, grandparents, right? You know, when, when you start see, seeing stuff like that, what do you do with your grandparents? You know, you're, you're like, I don't know, there's probably, maybe there's uh, some things to be doing here other than 14-hour days on a campaign trail. This is know? why Bernie Sanders isn't following. He looks virile. No Next question. To I, I totally agree. I mean, I think Sanders is older. Let me let me Google that because I think I think Bernie Sanders is actually older. I think he's pushing eighty. Um, yeah, I think yeah, he is. He's seventy seven now. Okay, all right. Um, he's going to turn seventy eight on Saturday, so he's a year older than Biden. Biden turns seventy seven in November, and Sanders is going to turn seventy eight on Saturday. Do they look? Does he look like he's a year older than Joe Biden? Just watching how they behave on the campaign trail, the energy level. I mean, Sanders, go find a clip of Bernie Sanders talking Sovietism in 1988. And there's more hair. Not much more, but there's more hair. But other than that, it sounds the same. It's the exact same thing. Nothing's changed in 30 years. Joe Biden, does he not seem like he's aged 10 years since Obama left the White he House? He does. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, um, you start talking about 77-year-old dudes who can't string sentences together and have exploding blood vessels in their eyes. And it's not, it's just old age, guys. It's just yeah. old age. I know. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not the age where you start ramping up your activity level. All right? This is the age when you start, you start toning it down. You know? So, um, that... That climate town hall last night, I don't want to get too much into it because it's going to get its own topic tomorrow on the Dace Group Roundtable, I've already decided. But if, if Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg saying, and, and by the way, can I say this about Pete Buttigieg? When he doesn't get to kvetch on same-sex attraction, doesn't he just come across as every every jerk you ever met, every self-righteous jerk you ever met in one of those liberal churches that are hemorrhaging attendees, and, 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 and it's because they know more about everything else other than you? Doesn't it seem like cheeky, plucky, Midwestern mayor, you know, from uh, red state America who has crossover appeal, and is is a proud veteran, and there's his husband. That you know that whole line of conversation from March, April, May that you and I argued about that entire time. Doesn't that seem like that was like ten years ago? Mm-hmm. He's just complete. You know why? Because the gay shtick has worn off. He already he already did his thing. You know where you know he he, he trolled Franklin Graham and a couple of other Christian leaders out there and got him to say some dumb stuff. And 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 you know, but that's a one trick pony, man. Once you do that. Because the problem is, that's not like build a wall, you know? I mean, 
there's there's already a legion of people on the left doing that to Christian leaders. So that's kind of a one trick pony. It get it got his foot in the door, you know. It got his foot in the door. But then when it came time to show that you know that. That okay, that's your launching point to what else are you as a candidate? There is nothing else there. And and now you're saying that it's he's essentially just if you take if you take the gay away, he's everything else that that you don't like about everyone else on the left. Well he refuses to turn that part of himself up to eleven, like I've said on the show in the past. Right. But in like the has there ever been a more insufferable seven hour stretch in the history of all humankind? That's an in kind contribution to Trump 2020. Than what we just saw, which I, is no why what, the Ebony Maw thing, perfect, Aaron. Utterly, yes, it was. Uh, perfect. Because it was, I mean, it, 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 Thanos' it quotes were all yeah. throughout that thing last night. You know what, man? I, I was ready to burn this. Here we are. If we had, if the election were today, I know. After that last night, I'd, I'd be there at 6 a.m. All right, just to get it, I I, I want to make sure I get this in before I get on with the rest of my day. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. I wore it yeah. on purpose yes. today. Uh, that's why, amongst all that seven hours, I just wanted to get this in. I'm glad you brought up Buttigieg. Uh, it, it, so to be the perhaps the most preposterous thing you said in that whole thing, for a man who did serve in the military to say climate change might be a tougher foe than World War II. I know. I, I'm glad Here's you said your that. sign. Yeah. You played yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I won't even attempt to add. Let's let it stand because that's, that's the perfect parting shot. But I, what you see again is they don't offer you any safe harbor. Not, there's legions of Americans in every metric that you can look for. Even if you even throw in the bias handicap. All right. Even add a massive bias handicap. Every metric you look at, there are legions of Americans looking for someone to give them permission to end the Trump presidency next year. They just they want the clown show done. They're tired of the tweets. They're tired of the stuff that's at the beginning of Aaron's uh, montage. The economy is not slowing down, but it's not roaring as much as it was. It's kind of hard to keep the pace that it had the last couple of years. So now it's kind of in cruise control. So that kind of buzz is kind of subsiding as well. He doesn't wear well beyond his hardcore you know, supporters. He just doesn't. There are legions of Americans, multitudes, that are like, give me something, please. I just, I want this to end, all right? I, I thought I was getting something new and I'm getting a lot of what I already don't like. It's just... It's just cruder and 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 dumber than it was before. All right, and and then the Democrats are like, ah, Leroy. yeah. And did you see? It was nuts. They're going to do another one of I these know. all on LGBT issues. On the Rainbow Jihad. Oh I know. snap! Yeah, I mean, and and oh, are we going to have some fun conversations in suburban megachurch America when that one comes out? Because in neighborhoods where you and I lived, Aaron. Mm. There's a whole lot of our there's a whole lot of our evangelical brethren. You know that audience that Ali Stuckey's trying to reach yep. on the podcast that have just enjoyed the lion in themselves the last couple of years, and 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 everything's great. Beth Moore told me everything'd be great if Trump wasn't a racist. Everything would be great. You know, it's, I read that on her blog and tweets again. Hmm. And and when they run that out, when is that? When is that town hall? They announced the date for it yet? I don't know. I'll look it up. Oh man. I'm going to have to, I'm going to stock up. I'm going to start smoke. I'm going to start doing lung darts and palm malls. I've got like your average, you know, Fox divorced Fox news viewer, you know, grandma retired. Um, because when the, when they do their rainbow jihad town hall, 
And instead of banning hamburgers, it's banning Christianity and putting and putting you all in. And, and Joe Biden, instead of showing up for Barack Obama at a black church saying, they're going to put you all in chains. Remember when he did that several yep, years ago? I do. Joe Biden's going to show up this time and say, we're going to put you all in chains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, is it going to be so much fun when they take away all of your fig leaves, all of the things that you're lying to yourself about who the Democrats are so you can, you can give yourself an excuse to vote orange man bad. Right? You know, all the stuff they wouldn't dare say, all the stuff I told you for the last 10 years they were going to do. And then they called me a bigot, a nut job, a conspiracy theorist, crazy. I remember when I hosted the very first ever religious freedom event ever held on a national scale. And it was here in Iowa, Ted Cruz held it. It was my first event for him as a member of the campaign. And I hosted that event. And man, I talked to members of the, the, whole, the place was packed. All the mainstream media is there. The newsboys were the act, and they thought it was like going to be a reenactment of like the, the Broadway musical. They didn't know what a, a Michael Tate and a newsboys was. <laughs> and man, I talked to media people that night, and then afterwards, they thought Baron L. Stun- we, we made it all up. There's no such thing as a, as a Kelvin Cochran. There's no such, the, the Atlanta fire chief who was Obama's national fire chief, Obama's national fire chief, who got fired. Because on his private time, he was hosting a Bible study that encouraged men to wait until marriage to have sex and only with other and only with women. All right. Baron L. Stutzman, that never happened. The, the Kleins, we had all of those people there. I hosted this. I spoke to them all. I had, we had them all there with all of the media there. And the cognitive dissonance was thick, man. Thick. I mean, it, it, was, it was like the Jehovah Witnesses accidentally showed up to a Ravi Zacharias event, and they're like, what in the Sam Hill is all this? Ma, what's happening here? This ain't what they told me was going to happen at the Kingdom Hall tonight. I mean, you should have seen the blank stares. And because this doesn't happen. It would never happen. We're not going to shut down the Christians. This is all crazy talk. When is this event? Have they said the date oh, yet? You want to know this? Yes, I do. Yeah. The, the please CN- tell me it's like on the sixth day of a month at like six o'clock, please. <laughs> it's 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 good. <laughs> it's it's going to be hosted on the eve of National Coming Out Day, which is a uh, National Coming Out Day itself is October eleventh. Okay, so it'll be held October tenth. Okay, all coming outs eve. Oh yes. Oh, you know how much I'm I'm gonna enjoy. I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy often getting to say, I told you so, because almost all the times I'm right, it's about really bad stuff that I don't want to be right about. And then I end up being, I want to, I'm never right about the good stuff. Okay. I'm just, I'm always right. I'm always really right about the bad stuff. Always. All right. This is one time I'm going to be right about the bad stuff that I cannot wait. Tapping veins. I cannot wait. Get you some pumpkin spice. Oh yes. Sweets. Oh Yeah. Because I'm going to pumpkin spice the I told you so is what I'm going to do. Gosh, right. I might smoke one of those. Yeah. <laughs> when, when all of you soft-headed Protestant suburbanites who, ha- who hate your orange man bad and you're out there lying to yourselves about who the Democrats are and when they hold this event and they put it all on camera that you're all going into internment camps unless you're willing to get gender reassignment surgery. When they do that, and they're all 
they're all going to do this, even Uncle Joe. He'll probably feel the worst about it, all right? <laughs> but he's going to do it nonetheless. And they're all going to put it on tape. And they're all going to put it on camera. And when they do, oh. Joe Biden might come out of the closet on that day. Yes. I, in fact, I, you know, Joe Biden might, uh, he, he's doing drag queen story time hour, right? Uh, he's reading from, uh, how many autobiographies did Obama oh. write before he was 50? Like 12? He, Obama, he's reading one of Obama's autobiographies. The audacity, the audacity of drag. And he's sitting there uh, at the, you know, w- with children around him, sitting on his lap in drag, reading it. All right. When they do this, I've got about 39 pastors I know around the country. I'm going to send every one of these clips to. Okay. And man, I hope all y'all with the lies you've been telling yourselves, I hope you choke on it. Because I tried to warn you, people like me tried to defend you from this. And you told us we were nuts and bigots and radicals and crazy. Okay. Don't say you weren't warned. Now, I'll still happily, you know, because I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. When they prove me more right than I ever thought that I was ever going to be on that evening, when they do so, if you come back to us and ask us to defend your freedoms and liberties... As brothers and sisters in the faith, we will. But but you're going to have to come to us. We're not coming to you. We gave you a chance. All right? So you're going to have to uh, swallow some humble pie and come back to us. Because you're going to find out on, what is that, October the 11th? You're going to find out who the real bigots are. You're going to see, you're going to see a level of bigotry broadcast on the, the American airways, unlike anything we've seen since Walter Cronkite was on the air and we were first introducing colored television, folks. All right? And it will be real bigotry. It will be glorious and it will be spectacular. Yeah, if you're marking your calendar at home, it's actually the 10th because that's the eve okay. of Thank you. the, say, the yeah. sacred pagan holiday that we'll yeah. be celebrating. Yeah, I, I, and it's going to be fascinating. Oh, you know, the, the know-it-all millennial evangelicals who hate their orange man. Oh, yes. And that's why, that, that's why, they, were, that's why they were watching Pete Buttigieg. And, you know, maybe he's a moderate. You know, he served in, a, in the armed for. Oh, you fools. You fools. But I still love you. I do. <laughs> I got you back. But you're going to have to ask me. I'm not going to voluntarily. That I'm not. I'm not in. This isn't Afghanistan yet. I'm not just going to stand around waiting to get blown up with nothing to do. I'll happily run into the fray for you, but you're going to have to ask. I think I'm owed that for the amount of uh, poop I've taken from folks like you over the course of my career then I'm the problem. I'm too radical. I make everything worse. We'd all get along if it wasn't for people like me. Oh, I tried to warn you. When you had the advantage, I tried to warn you. No, but I'm nuts. I'm crazy. What do I know? Okay. Well, October 10th is coming. And I'm not going to let you avoid it. I'm going to tweet clips of this to like Beth Moore is what I'm going to do. All right. Yo, Beth, where you at, brah? All right. <laughs> Okay. I see you. Where you at? 
I'll, 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 I'll take your one white nationalist at some hick Alabama church with, 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 that hasn't had a stoplight since 1958, since before Roy Moore allegedly trolled a mall. And I'm going to raise you 10 God haters live on national television, sister. How you like them apples? Huh? Because it's coming. And I'm going to enjoy it. Because I, I, I'm 46 years old and there's, there's little, there's, I, get, I get little jollies in my life at this point. And this is going to be one of them. I just know. Aaron, you remember that episode like a couple of weeks ago where Steve was lamenting what he's, like, what's his purpose with this show anymore? <laughs> he's got some spring it. in his stuff now, baby. At least for a month. Yes. <laughs> October 10th can't get here soon enough. Oh, man, I'm sharing all of those clips. I got, I've got a list in my head of folks I'm going to be CCing on social media. And you can join me, by the way, in, in, in absolutely trolling and blasting all of their social media accounts with, with the, the, the lies they've been telling themselves. Because, see, the, the, these folks fancy themselves better than the Robert Jefferses of the world. They're, they're, they're better. They're smarter. No, they're not, man. They're bosom buddies. Except at least the Robert Jefferses of the world are getting paid. Like, like the Tom Hanks in the Bosom Buddy show. These are like the other. Remember who? Peter Scara, whatever that guy's exactly. name. Exactly. Okay. They're the Peter Scara of the Bosom Buddies. At least Robert Jeffers is on Fox, man. They're the, they're the worst of the Bosom Buddies. More in a moment. So we're going to talk with Brent Bozell from the Media Research Center here in just a, just a minute or two. He's kind of been at the tip of the spear pushing back on uh, big tech social media censorship. And more and more, we are seeing corporate America. Um, I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when corporate America tended to, to tilt conservative because it was afraid of uh, democratic economic policies. But as we've had another generation changeover that are all in on, on leftist progressivism and too big to failism, you're now seeing them having gone from kind of on our side to neutral to now in many sectors, uh, they are their opponents. That's why when there is an opportunity for us to do business with people who are supporting the values that we are trying to conserve as conservatives, we should take advantage of it. We don't always have that opportunity. Uh, you know, for example, there's not really a competitor to, as Glenn likes to say, there's not the a conservative alternative uh, to Disney World or Disneyland or Universal Studios. So not everywhere you go is there that kind of an alternative. But when you have one, like when it comes to your mobile phone, almost every one of us has one of these today. You definitely need to take advantage of it with a company like Patriot Mobile, veteran-led, the only conservative mobile phone company. You'll get all the same coverage nationwide you get from the big wigs, except they actually donate some of their profits to values and costs causes that you and I believe in. In fact, they've uh, put about $2 million of their own money into those causes just since 2015. And right now they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month. And if you make the switch, you get the new Moto Z3 Play for only $5 a month. The brand new Moto Z3 Play for only $5 a month with its six-inch screen, expandable storage, high-quality camera, and more. Switching is easy. Here's all you need to do. PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. Again, that's PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. 
Well, I'm not sure any any organization has been more responsible for uncredited show prep in the history of conservative media than has the Media Research Center. All kinds of us that do what I do for a living owe them some form of royalty and residual for the amount of times we have ripped and read uh, the stuff that they have dug up and then shared it with our audience. Uh, And the man that's uh, the mastermind behind that operation, one of the stalwarts in the conservative movement, joins us now, Brent Bozell from the Media Research Center. Brent, uh, Steve Dace here on Blaze TV Radio Podcast. It's an honor to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today. And Steve, I'm rather humble by what you said. Um, I have also, I'll pay back the, um, the compliment by saying that if it weren't for conservative media, I really do believe that this country would have been lost. So mm. thank you. Well, I, I want to take, I want to let you walk through with me my own evolution on the issue that you're right on the front lines with right now. All right, because I have to keep reminding myself, I just turned 46, and I have to keep reminding myself that the, the the rules and the and the and the established order and the and the the rules of engagement when i first got into this business and the default sensibilities i have don't always apply so when i first started hearing hey we got to push back on big tech and they can't be banning all these people you know my my initial inclinations of of you know hey they're a private company i was just fighting the whole bake the cake bigot fight you know in the last few years i i don't you know i don't think we ought to get into that And then I started looking at this issue more and more and realizing the iron grip they have on the dissemination of information. And I learned some things I didn't understand or or, know at first, Brett, that they actually have legal um, loopholes. They're they're given sort of uh, papal dispensation by the feds to operate outside of the regulatory environment that no other industry in America is able to operate outside of. So on one hand, we're giving them this extra regulatory environment or this this absolution from it that's allowed them to build all this data and and earn all these billions. And then we let them go public at the same time. And now we're going to let them also decide what we get to see on a given day. And that's really where I began to turn some of my position, previous positions on this. Can you kind of walk our audience through this? Because I still think a lot of our audiences are kind of like, why are we as conservatives pushing back on corporations deciding who they want to do business with? Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, we, we believe in free speech. To have free speech, you have to have the ability to speak freely. Um, and if you look at where the world of communications is going, and how it's being treated, we are clearly headed down the path of what I believe to be the greatest censorship worldwide in the history of man. And that sounds pretty hyperbolic, and I better be able to back that up. It's not hard to back that up. Think about where the future is. The future is not in podcasts. The future is not in television. The future is not in radio. It is not in websites. All those will play a role, but the future of communications is social media. Whether we like it or not, that's reality. Now, how powerful are the social media giants? And they're growing every single day. Just consider Facebook, 2.2 billion users worldwide and growing. Twitter, 700 million, and that's the launching point for information. YouTube downloads 5 billion videos a day. Google controls 92% of search engines. What is it, how important is that? According to one independent study by a liberal, that means Google has the power to affect up to 80% 
of the undecided vote in an election. In a presidential election, that means in theory, Google decides the next president. So that's the kind of power you're looking at. Now, if it was an open platform of ideas, as they say they are, well, then you say, well, so what? You know, we can all have a conversation on Facebook or Twitter or whatnot. Guess what's happening, though? They're starting to censor conservatives. And left and right, it's happening, and it's happening with greater and greater frequency. So you've got a Dennis Prager whose lectures could be delivered at Princeton or, or SMU, and he is having, he's got dozens of videos that are being withheld. It just happened to Lila Rose on Facebook just over the weekend with, with live action. Her videos were banned. We've given examples to, to these networks. It, you can't say the phrase, a woman is not a man, and not be banned from Twitter. It happened to a, to a, a liberal professor in, in Canada who made that phrase. Think about it. A woman is not a man. Banned. So how powerful are these groups and what threat is it to free speech? It is unlike anything we've ever seen because, Steve, and this is the salient point, these aren't rules in the United States. These are worldwide rules about what you can say and what you can't say. If you protest same-sex bathrooms in schools like Franklin Graham did, you are suspended. If you do what Netanyahu's son did, which was to accuse uh, the Palestinians of savagery after murdering two Israeli soldiers, you are suspended. On the other hand, if you're the Khomeini in Iran calling for the annihilation of Jews, you're okay. You can stay on there. These are the new rules of the game. And Steve, conservatives have to recognize this is a huge, huge threat to freedom. Well, an example of what you're talking about, I, I've seen Michelle Malkin keeps getting Twitter warnings that she has offended, I think it's the Pakistani uh, blasphemy laws that Twitter has to abide by. You know, um, um, why should she care about that? Well, it's because of the stuff that that you just described. And one a friend of mine gave me an analogy, and I ended up using it on my own show because it really revolutionized my thinking on this. And he, he said to me, imagine when Alexander Graham Bell created the telephone. And then there's a telecommunications revolution in the country in the early uh, 20, late 19th, early 20th centuries. And, and the way that information is disseminated radically changes unlike it has maybe the previous 6,000 years of recorded human history. And then imagine if, if, if AT&T was given the option of saying um, only certain people get phone numbers. Only certain people can have a telephone in their home, provided that they're, and, and then we're going to monitor what they say. And if they say words and things that we don't agree with, or they, or they, or, or they have positions on issues that we think are, are, are impolite or not politically correct, they then can be denied access to that information superhighway. And when, when, when this buddy of mine gave me this analogy, it really helped me to understand, you know, cause it's hard to quantify Brent, the numbers you're given in, in, in a, in a finite mind. But when you bring it down to that level, I think it does really help people understand what's at stake here. Yeah, and, and the we in what your friend told you, the we in that proposition is not Americans. That's what even scarier. You know, you hear people say, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter, these social media companies, they don't, they don't support the, the Second Amendment. Guess what? They don't. The Second Amendment is based on the United States Constitution. They see themselves as a worldwide community that doesn't put the Constitution above other, other forms of government. In fact, they see 
the European model as being superior to the American model. The European model putting virtue, whatever that might be, mm -hmm. of freedom, whereas in the American model, you put a freedom ahead of a virtue. And what else does that mean? That means they don't believe in the First Amendment either. The freedom of speech. This in the world community, and they see themselves as a global community. The global community has rules on free speech. There is some kind of free speech you can use, some kind of free speech you can't. Yes, is there a, a bit of a contradiction? Of course there is, but that's the way they look at it. So when they're looking at conservative thought, you know, uh, uh, a report came out uh, where that conservatives did, uh, Senator John Kyle did, and it was a, a disaster um, outlining, so allegedly outlining conservatives' complaints with Facebook. Um, but at the same time, there were 90-some left-wing organizations that put forward a series of demands on Facebook, demanding even more control. And more control means having the right to knock conservatives off, because there's nothing more than they can get other than the power to knock conservatives off. And when they laid forward these demands, which would put them in charge of more and more Facebook, no, the number two person at Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, who's also a multi-million dollar donor to Planned Parenthood, announced it was going to be one of her top priorities in 2019 to give these radical left-wingers everything they wanted. Hmm. So what's a remedy here? I'm sure you've done an, a, 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 a thorough examination of Senator Hawley's bill, for example. What are the remedies to, to what you're describing? Where, where should an audience like ours engage their elected representatives to do something about this? You know, I, I, I don't, I, as things now stand, you think, there are some people who I think within these tech companies uh, understand the problem and aren't ideological. They may be left-wing, but they're not ideological. And I put Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook in that camp. Um, however, the institution of Facebook is absolutely radicalized. It could care less about free speech for conservatives. Anything we say, any complaint we put forward, they're going to scoff at and they're going to dismiss. There is something that these these companies care about. And it's two things. You, you, you alluded to it at the top. One is the protection that they have under this thing called Section 230. What that does is to declare that they are only platforms of information. So Wikipedia is only a platform. Any hanky-panky that happens on Wikipedia, blame the people putting things on Wikipedia. Don't blame Wikipedia. It's just, uh, it, it, it is nonpartisan. Uh, non the, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Google, all these people have been protected under, the, un, under Section 230, but they're not abiding by it. As soon as it's established, that these, in, in, in either in a court of law or in Congress, that these are absolutely partisan organizations. If they lose Section 230 protection, now they're liable for the hanky-panky that goes on there. And that has scared, has scared the bejesus out of them because of what could happen to them. The second thing is antitrust legislation. Is there an argument that they're too big? It's interesting because you've got from the left, you've got the Elizabeth Warrens coming at them and saying that they are too rich. From the right, you've got Ted Cruz's coming after them saying they're too powerful. Well, you, those two forces come together and they're going to come together. And what you may have is the beginnings of a massive operation, organization, movement, 
to break them up, to say these people are just not allowing competition. You know, if you want to challenge Apple on something and they've got a trillion dollars, guess who's going to win that argument? If you want to challenge Facebook like Instagram did, you just Instagram got swallowed up. It happens with one after another. They're so powerful. You really do have to ask your question. And, and some, some people will say, well, you know, that's not the conservative position. Conservatives don't believe in, in antitrust legislation. Yes, you do. If you believe in competition, if you believe that a, that a corporation has so much monopoly that you can't compete, well, then a conservative does believe in breaking them up. Am I saying they should be broken up? I'm not there yet. Um, but they've got to give us a reason to think that they shouldn't be at this point. Hmm. It's great stuff. And, and we are permitting them a regulatory environment that allows them to go public, sell stock, make billions and billions and billions of dollars. And then we've permitted them because of the regulatory environment that they are absolved from to accumulate data and uh, that's worth trillions upon trillions of dollars. That, in other words, makes it almost an, as long as that regulatory environment remains in place. It remains basically impossible for you to compete with them. And I think that's what, what you're alluding to there. Brett, you want to add to that really quick? Go ahead. Very quickly, this is why tens of millions of dollars are pouring in to Washington, D.C. right now to buy every lobbyist in town and buy every public policy group they can. Brent Bozell from the Media Research Center. Great, uh, great stuff, Brent. Thank you very much uh, for being a part of our show today. Really appreciate, appreciate having you. All right, take care. God bless. Get some reaction to that here in just a moment. Uh, but first, if you're one of uh, millions of Americans struggling with what is called chronic pain, it's because of the buildup of inflammation in your body. And that is where Relief Factor comes in. Relief could be just one starter kit away. I'm a huge advocate of this product, a, a daily uh, devotee to it. Uh, it's a part of my regular health regimen. And here's what I love the most about Relief Factor. Guess I could get results from other things. And I've chosen not to use them because I just don't want to you know, load my body up with even more chemicals. That's what I love about this. It's 100% drug-free, even though it is a formula that was devised by doctors. So these are physicians who could prescribe drugs, but they're tired of loading up your body with chemicals as well. They know that somewhere in there is the body's God-given natural ability to push back on inflammation. And the formula at Relief Factor was put together in order to encourage and help the body to do that. I love it. Again, I use it daily. It's made a huge difference in my life. You can get the starter kit right now for three weeks for just $20. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day? except maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Get the starter kit at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Gentlemen, your comments on what we just heard from Brett Bozell from MRC. Aaron? I think you did a great job of, of kind of breaking down the two different angles that are kind of for, first and foremost here with, with solving this uh, problem or at least mitigating the problem. One, the, uh, the unfair environment in which they are uh, working in to where they're acting as both a platform and a publisher. Right. And then the other part of that. Uh, without not, being held accountable without, for being either. Without yeah. being account- held accountable for either. And then the other thing is the antitrust. And I thought, I thought the, distinguish, uh, you know, the, the line that he distinguished there, that is something that we really have, have to be disciplined about. Because people come at this all from all different angles, and they they conflate the two, and that's I don't think what I don't think that's helpful whatsoever. And I think as he laid out the antitrust argument, I think at the very least for Google, and there's even further lines of 
of uh, demarcation to be drawn. But I think at least for Google, since they control so many of the search uh, searches, you know, you know, that just we domestically and across the world uh, perform on on a daily basis, at least there's an argument for them to be uh, potentially broken up by antitrust, even though they could be guilty of the other thing. But if you want to actually compete on the online space, how are people going to find you? It's through Google. So I think at least for them, and there could be an argument for Facebook and Twitter as well, but I think for at least for them, the antitrust argument works best. Well, for face, Facebook bought Instagram, right? Yeah. So Instagram was a place that a lot of people, particularly on the right, were just, were going to to get away from what they saw coming on Facebook. It was kind of becoming more and more in vogue. And then Facebook goes out and buys them. And now you're seeing Instagram banning live action and, 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 and lots yep. of conservative content at the same time. Todd? I love that no, we don't moment at the end there with Brent regarding uh, trust because it just goes to show how lazy conservatives have gotten in some regards. We absolutely believe in smaller government relative to the grotesque uh, overabundance of government, the out-of-control government that we have. That does not mean, though, if you follow it out to its logical conclusion, we don't go to zero government. We don't believe that. We believe in subsidiarity. I've talked about this before. The proper role of government at which level? Local, state, federal, and its application to specific problems. And that's an important conversation that we just got done having and have had before. We're going to have another important conversation here in a few minutes. It's, it's always important when we do Theology Thursday, but this one is extra special because it's right at the heart of what goes on every day in our line of work. We're going to get to that here with Hour 2 next. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind taking some time out of your busy schedule and leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be greatly appreciative. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done so already, because the more of those we get, the more of those algorithms at the social media giants and lords and vassals, we were just talking to Brent Bozell about, the more that they uh, shine upon us and help us to find more people like you. And that makes it more likely we get to continue to do this for a living. So we appreciate all of you who have done that for us already, and we appreciate those of you that are going to hear my voice and do it for us here today. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook for now. Follow us on Twitter as long as they permit us to be there. At Steve Dace Show. Theology Thursday coming up here in just a moment. But if you are taking advantage of a booming real estate market right now, understand though, that whenever a market is booming, it also brings in the opportunists and the grifters. So you want to make sure that you get a real estate agent that you can trust, somebody who's got a vetted and proven track record of success, someone who has a marketing plan other than, hey, make your house spick and span and let's do another open house this Sunday. Three people will come to. You need more than that. You can do that on your own. Okay, you can put a for sale by owner sign in there and say open house and get three people to probably come just by driving your neighborhood. And then the third thing is, do they return calls? And when they promised you that they'd give you like at least a 30 minute head up before they brought somebody over on a, on a school night to see the house, did they keep up with that promise? Or did they call you and say, Hey, I've got a live one down the street. Can we stop over? Right. You want an agent that checks all three of those boxes. That's why you want to check the box over at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website to find an agent that is worthy of having you as a client. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Before we get to Theology Thursday, Todd, I want to ask you a question. Do you have the answer? I okay. think I do. Congressman Denver Riggleman 
is a congressman from the Commonwealth of Virginia, right? The 5th District of Virginia, I believe. What is his current Liberty score? I thought it was a made-up name when you told me about no, it. That, you, that's what you, I, I sounded like. Totally. Hey, if I ever tell you to look up Congressman Dirk Diggler's Liberty <laughs> yes. Score, as, right? You saw the look okay. on my face. Yeah. Come again? Assume yeah, I'm, 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 I'm yanking your chain. All right, but no. Denver Riggleman, this is, this is a real member of Congress. Yes. He represents, the I think it's the 5th District in the state of Virginia. What What's his current Liberty Score, according to Conservative Review? Do you want to guess? No, because yeah, no. I've never heard of him. So and I, well, I had not heard of him until three days ago, right? It's a, it's a D, 67%. 67% D. So that means well over a third of the time he votes against you. Well over a third. Hmm. Why did I ask about Congressman Denver Riggleman's Liberty Score? Would you view somebody, and keep in mind right now they're in the minority, so this would be the time to start padding your stats, right? You know, as a Detroit Lions fan, we have this nickname for Matt Stafford, Pat, Pad Stafford, all right? You know, it's not true. He's actually, has, I think him and Matt Ryan have the most fourth quarter comebacks amongst active quarterbacks, but it's this nickname that indicates that he likes to put up huge stats when the Lions are down by three touchdowns and you got to throw every play, okay? Um, but... Similarly, in politics, this would be the time to pad your stats, right? Nancy Pelosi's the Speaker of the House. Just vote no on everything. Yeah, right? Right? Sure. This is, this is when they used to lie to us, actually. You know, when, this is, you know, you've heard me say over the years, there's no greater political party as a minority party in the history of human political parties than the GOP. So you're saying if you're going to hack, hack well. Yeah, yeah. Right, they're they're the best political party as a minority party in in, in world history, and the absolute worst when they have power in in human history. <laughs> All right, so this would be the time someone who's maybe kind of squishy, kind of moderate, you know, with a with a D Liberty score, sixty seven percent. This would be the time that a Denver Riggleman, especially with a Democrat governor of Virginia too, right now, you know, and so you're the opposition party, you rile up your base by, you know, moving more to the right, right. And you just vote no on everything Nancy Pelosi says, right? This would be the time. He's sitting there at 67%. Some of you might be like, Steve, I thought we were going to have Theology Thursday here on the show this week. Oh, we are. But I think we needed some context first. You know, some of the greatest advice in terms of doing theology or Bible study I've ever received, a gentleman, I wish I could remember his name, uh, it was a gentleman at a conference, said that text without context is just pretext, right? You know, we, when we've, we've talked before on Theology Thursday that we have, when, when we study something, like we did a study of Paul's epistle to the, uh, uh, to the uh, uh, Colossians was the book that we studied. And we talked about, hey, we got to remember, he's writing this letter to these people at this time, okay? And we have to put that in the context of how they thought these words and, and definitions and terms, how what they accepted and not reverse engineer them in a 21st century, Amerocentric mindset. Okay. That's one of the, that's why you want some context. And I, I think it's important for us to know the context of what kind of Congressman Denver Riggleman is because he is the, he's, he's the, he's the point of the conversation we are about to have. All right. Never thought I'd ever do a Theology Thursday based on Congressman Denver Riggleman. 
we are. Because Denver Riggleman received this letter earlier this week from the head of the largest evangelical university in the world, Liberty University, where my wife right now is a grad student, by the way. And just so you guys know where I got this letter, Congressman Riggleman has this posted on his own Facebook wall, right? Now, I originally received this from a little birdie, and I was skeptical, all right? So before I shared it with any of you all, when I texted it to you before, and then I, not long before I put it up on my own wall, I was skeptical. Why? Because normally, again, similar to what we said about Jim Bopp last week, I've heard all this talk before. I've heard this, I've heard this a million times, but it's usually at like a CNP meeting in a back corner when some, one of my elders has to take me aside and show me how the process really works, you know? And I need, Steve, you just don't understand politics. You got to be more nuanced here. And I'm like, I've served on blank campaigns. How many have you been on? Well, you don't understand how the process works, <laughs> right? So I've, everything you're about to hear in this letter, I have heard this. I can't tell you how many times in my career. I just could never get folks like this to say stuff like this in public. Until I started interviewing Christian leaders about 10 years ago after what happened in the 2008 election. And I started hearing a lot of answers like this. All right. This is a letter that Jerry Falwell sent to Congressman Riggleman, which Congressman Riggleman put on his own Facebook wall. I'm going to read it to you. I am writing to encourage the Republican Party. These are the words of Jerry Falwell Jr. I am writing to encourage the Republican Party of the 5th Congressional District in Virginia to unite and become a big tent party that works together to ensure that Republicans retain control of both the Virginia House of Delegates and the Virginia Senate this fall. Now, the last time y'all united as a big tent to make sure Republicans had total control in Virginia, uh, Bob McDonald signed into law the largest tax increase in Virginia state history. <laughs> it's conservative now, though. Yes. All right. Uh, the letter goes on. It is my understanding that certain leaders of the Republican Party in the 5th District are attempting to exclude you, he means Congressman Riggleman, and others because of social issues. Again, this is, this is a letter now being written by the head of the largest evangelical institution on planet Earth and, and God's creation. I was told they are assuming that because you officiated a gay marriage recently, attended, showed up begrudgingly because your kid is, your kid is struggling with same-sex attraction and you want to be there, like pick a qualifier, right? Any reason you might, you might be, be at one of these. Are, is, are any of those referenced here whatsoever? No. Said you officiated this. That's, that means you gave it your blessing. The head of America's, uh, the world's largest evangelical institution writes these words. I was told they are assuming that because you officiated a gay marriage recently, that you are not socially conservative. Chris, Chris Hayes. Uh, I was just going to say that. He read my literally just about to say Sorry. it. Sorry. I, I let the William Shatner pregnant pause play too long. It's my bad. I did it myself. It's a, it's a self-inflicted wound. Line, Chris Hayes. <laughs> yes. Chris Hayes called and said, you know, if it... <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
there's no way this would be constitutional if it wasn't in the Constitution. I, I think this sentence needs to be repeated. And, and for its proper context, you need to understand, the man writing these words is the head of the largest evangelical institution of higher learning in God's creation. Quote, I was told they are assuming that because you officiated at a gay marriage recently, you are, that you are not socially conservative. I believe that excluding other conservatives over issues that have already been decided by the U.S. Supreme Court does nothing but help the liberals gain more power. So the abolition, abolitionist movement in the 19th century should have just given up on the slavery thing and united because it had been decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln should have never issued the Emancipation Proclamation in response to the Dred Scott decision because it had been decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. Come on, see, he backed up his reasoning with Scripture. Oh, wait. Yeah, no. the, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've had all these conversations with guys like this. They never have any Scripture, and there's a reason for it, because the Scripture condemns this. The Supreme Court's decided, for example, that you can kill a child if you don't want it. So I would assume at Liberty University, they teach you not to be pro-life and instead just to give up on your pro-life activism. I would assume they don't even, they, 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 they probably don't even recognize pro-life groups on campus at Liberty because the Supreme Court has spoken 46 years ago. Except there's lots of pro-lifers at Liberty and there's lots of pro-lifers and pro-life groups on that campus. And they don't discourage pro-life activism. See, what you're about to learn here is Jerry Falwell Jr. does not believe the Supreme Court is in charge. If he did, he'd be consistent with it all the way through. We, we wouldn't have pro-life activism encouraged at liberty. And, and they would be told by their, their student body president that they should bow the knee to the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade, right? Mm -hmm. It's settled law. What's longer settled law, Roe v. Wade or Windsor? Roe v. Wade or, um, uh, or what was the other? Uh, I can't remember the, other na the name of the other gay marriage decision. Well, those were just all in the last five years. Roe v. Wade is a far more hardened precedent. No, he, he, he's not bowing the knee to the Supreme Court here. His God is the Republican Party and political expedience. That's who he's bowing the knee to. And that's where the situational ethic comes in. It's perfectly convenient to protest Supreme Court precedent on Roe v. Wade because it doesn't get in the way of my political expediency right now. But it's not politically expedient for you to protest Supreme Court precedent when it comes to the definition of marriage. Because that gets in the way of my political access and expediency. Roll Tide. There is nothing that anyone in the House of Delegates of the Virginia Senate can do to change the law on gay marriage or abortion until the U.S. Supreme Court reverses its previous positions. How would a court reverse its positions? Where, 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 where does the court often determine its positions on policies? When... when Congresses and legislatures act on laws that are divisive and create conflict that the court then is asked to intervene and play referee, right? So the very thing that he says he, he, he won't do. Yeah, yeah. There, 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 there would be no question to compel the U.S. Supreme Court to reverse 
Roe versus Wade unless a legislature like the state of Virginia's or a Congress like the one that Denver Riggleman serves in put forth a law challenging the premise of Roe versus Wade and said, you know, we've, we gave this precedent a shot for 46 years and this is not how we want to roll anymore and put that before the U.S. Supreme Court. What you're going to find is this isn't even well thought out. It's really dumb. I mean, the vast majority of you could dis- dissect this without having to do almost any of the prep someone like me has to do to do a show like this. And the reason why is because you're sober-minded. You're, you're not clutching an idol. You're not a golem. Idolatry makes, makes idiots of us all. These are just stupid arguments. You ought to be, if you're a liberty student, you ought to be offended at the level of philosophical reductionism here. Self-refuting logic. Fallacies asserted. I dare you to lie better. To me, Mr. Falwell writes, this is common sense. And if we are not all united and pragmatic, the other side will win. So you must unite, you must grant the other side all of its premises in order to deny them their win. You must give them a win so that they don't win. That's the argument. George Bush called and said we have to suspend free market principles to save the free market. Correct. I hope you will participate along with former Congressman Dave Brad and Robert Hurt from Liberty University in the September 7th fundraiser in the 5th District. And I hope that the less pragmatic members of the party will wake up and realize, in the words of Ben Franklin, we must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall hang separately. Um, ben Franklin was saying those words in order to encourage the Continental Congress to not give up the premise of their argument, to not morally compromised with the spirit of the age that's the same event when he said you know the the longer i live the more confirmed i am in this truth that god governs in the affairs of men he was calling them to prayer he was concerned they were breaking up in political expediency pragmatism they were losing the 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 moral high ground the principle that united them that brought them that they were, they were forgetting they had pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors. He was rebuking them in their pragmatism, actually, Mr. Falwell, not affirming it. Thank you for your leadership in Congress. What did you say his liberty score was, by the way? 67. 67%. Thank you for your D grade in Congress, Mr. Falwell writes. And I hope to see you soon. Furthermore, I intend to endorse you in your bid for re-election in 2020 in light of your liberty-minded conservatism and our shared values. What was his liberty score again? 67. 67%. Now, that is sincerely Jerry Falwell, Jr. To Congressman Denver Riggleman in the 5th District of Virginia. Can I ask you a question? No, you, you can probably ask me about 47, but you can start with uh, this one. Is, uh, you often ask me from the Protestant perspective, ask uh, about Catholicism. I let me ask from a Catholic perspective about liberty and the people that tend to go to the staff to the extent that you know it. Uh, is it possible that this guy now is just a troll of the very place he claims to lead in the name of Christ? Because I'm hearing that. I called you. I called him worm tug to you earlier. But now the scene from Mel Gibson's The Passion where Antipas, just a as he's portrayed, is just kind of nuts and aloof, mm-hmm. is just toying with the Lord. 
or trying to, that's the image that's in my mind of this guy. This can't, I mean, if if there's any orthodoxy at all at that university, the, he's just toying with them. There, well, I don't. There, there's clear. I've seen my wife's curriculum. There's tons of orthodoxy. You've told me that before. Yeah. I, what, what there's clearly not is any sort of 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 accountability. There, there's clearly no elder board. They're clearly they're clearly out of biblical canon when it comes to pastoral accountability. Because this that's deser- not even that's I don't even think that could yeah. be a debated point. This deserves the equivalent of a rhetorical stoning yeah, he, at he, the he, very he, least. Yes, yes. This is not a ministry. He has turned it into his own personal fiefdom. And there is nobody there to resist him whatsoever. None. I, I, and I'm sure I'm gonna get I, I will bet I'm gonna get at least one email from a member of the faculty today. Somebody sending me a note. Somebody grumbling, we talk about this privately. These views don't represent all of us. You know, um, but you know, there's a reason Jesus said to beware the yeast of the Pharisees. There were, you know, there's this mis there's this misappropriation that Jesus was opposed by the entire Pharisaical order. I mean, the Sadducees were a lost cause because they had given up the idea that there was even a resurrection, which means they didn't believe in God's judgment. They were they were the social justice warriors. I mean, the idea that Jesus was here with a kingdom not of this world, they were they were, you know. That they're Pete Buttigieg's spiritual legacy. That that kind of, you know, the idea that uh, you know uh, we keep making deals with and, and, and government policy and keeping the peace and the status quo. They were the SJWs of the of the first century. The Pharisees were the Orthodox. They they traced their lineage back to in, in some traditions back to Ezra. You know that, that you know they they vehemently. I mean, at times the Pharisees and Sadducees hated each other. Why? Because the Pharisees held on to orthodoxy. They believed in judgment, resurrection, a Messiah to come. And so there's this notion for those of us who are only seeing this conversation through a New Testament lens, we have a tendency to just make this broad generalization that the Pharisees all opposed Jesus. Actually, quite a few of them supported him. The guy who gave Jesus his burial tomb, Pharisee. The one who comes to Jesus that we get arguably the most or the most quoted verse in the entire Bible from this conversation, Nicodemus, Pharisee. Pharisees were deeply divided over Jesus. Sadducees were like, hey man, this guy's getting in the way of, you know, the deal we got cut with Rome here. You know, uh, government, uh, we got to make the trains run on time. This guy's got to go. The Pharisees were the ones who were actually contemplating his claims. Is he really a Messiah? Is this, is this really the son of David? That was the source of their division. But because the heads didn't, they let his head roll, there's an assumption that the Pharisees as a body were against Jesus as Messiah. And that's not true. Why? Well, because we we always see things based on headship. The creation runs on the principle of headship. It really doesn't matter from a, from, a, from a public perspective. It doesn't matter. It matters on a micro level if you're attending that university with that faculty and, the, and that elder board. But be outside of that campus as a witness to the rest of the world, it doesn't matter how many people are faithfully orthodox in their theology on that campus as long as the man whose face you see over my shoulder puts out an, as, the, as its 
overwhelming. Who's second in charge at Liberty? Name him. You can. Nobody knows. He's the face. He's everything. For better or for worse. And just a little bit of leaven. Oh. Will ruin the whole batch. Received an email from a young man I met several years ago at one of those Council for National Policy meetings that are really important, by the way. I, I have had some disappointing conversations there, but I've also had a lot that have been really enriching for me and made me better at my job. And CNP is kind of a skull and bone society for conservative leaders. It's not really like that. I'm just kind of making a joke, but it's by invite only. And it's all the names you would know, okay? His name is Daniel Bradshaw, and he wrote me this note. I don't write often because I, I know you get a lot of correspondence. You don't need me clogging up your inbox. But I, this is an issue I hope you address on your show. And he's a young man, Aaron. He's about, I'd say he's a little bit older than you, maybe. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. In Jerry Falwell Jr.'s letter you shared on Facebook, he refers to certain leaders of the Republican Party in the 5th District of Virginia. I am one of 30-plus elected Republican leaders that were elected by the grassroots to represent Virginia's 5th Congressional District. After Riggleman performed the ceremony for the two gay men, the media picked it up and ran with the story. A number of my fellow leaders communicated with him personally about his and his gen- about this, and his general response was, the Supreme Court has ruled, and we need to be the big tent party, and if you don't accept gay marriage, you're a bigot. Those are all words and quotes. Lastly, and for me personally, the worst part of this whole issue is the number of good Christian people I know who have fought the good fight spiritually for many years who are now defending Riggleman's actions, almost all of whom, I might add, are old enough to be my parents or grandparents. Daniel says, I'm 27. I've been accused of stirring the pot and being too idealistic. This has been very painful and I'm having a hard time responding in a Christ-like way. All I want to do, why do you assume, Daniel, Christ-like way means you're nice in return? Christ-like way sometimes means whitewashed tombs, brood of vipers, dens of thieves, harlots, stiff-necked, they're wrong, they're lying to you, don't let those people in. I mean, Christ-like way is not we're just handing out, heart, you know, uh, you know, greeting cards. Doesn't always mean up with people, but I get what you're saying. You don't want to respond out of anger, I get that, Okay. All I want to do is eviscerate their red herrings and hypocrisy and give them a swift kick in the rear with the truth. I know this still won't do any good and will only burn bridges. How have you dealt with fellow true believers who have compartmentalized their faith? Well, Daniel, not always well. (laughs) Not always well. Not always well. And I am accountable for those actions. All right? You know, we had a conversation the other day about this uh, survey of, of young evangelicals that found they're pretty much just as conservative as their parents and grandparents are. There's not like some, you know, hey guys, you know, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's, let's have Mother Earth worship here in the sanctuary, right? But what was the one issue that had by far the biggest disconnect between them and their elders? GOP worship. Team GOP. And it wasn't even close. Can't you hear that in Daniel's note? This is a guy, he's a young man, he's 27, he's, he's running for office, he's winning, he's committed, he's trying to make a difference. He's trying to hold the line on a fundamental to civilization. And his parents and grandparents' generation are the ones telling him, Team GOP has to win, kid, sorry. And if you think, when I've said in the past, that we're going to have 
somebody with a mental uh, with gender dysphoria mental illness speak as a get be a keynote speaker at, at CPAC before somebody like me is ever allowed in there this is how it happens right here if i would have said 10 years ago somebody who presided over a, a gay marriage would be endorsed in a primary by the president of liberty university <laughs> all the same people that are now telling me i'm nuts we're never going to have conservative trans would have said the exact same thing about that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would have. This is, this is what it comes down to. Your God is this political party. And there's no amount of stench or evil that you will not glom onto. There's no amount of immorality or gray area that you won't say yes to or no to, provided they put a magic R on it. Because you've decided your standard isn't God. Your standard is your, 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 your political opposition. Whatever you let determine your standard is your God. You can quote all the Bible verses you want. You can put all the money in the plate you want. But in the end, whatever you let determine the standard you live your life by is your God. Because that's what sin is. When I sin, it's because I've decided... I don't want to live by God's standard. I want to, I want to set the standard. And, th and then once I make this decision, I then behave blank and I am now committing a sin. This is why Jesus said to even look upon a woman with lust in your heart is sinful. Because that's the beginning where the, that's where the equation formulates. And that's where you start making, doing the mental math of what your standard at that point in time is going to be. And once that, once that has cemented itself in, the, in your brain, it's just a matter of time before you act on it. And what's happened here is there's this massive generational divide that has taken place. And both sides of this Daniel excluded because what, what, what I hear from Daniel is he's, he's struggling with how to, how I want to honor my elders. I don't want to push them more away, but in the end, I have to fear God and not them. How do I do this, right? So those like Daniel aside, what, what I have witnessed too much of in my whole career, this has been the case. This did not start with Trump, nor will it end with him. If we don't rectify this, let me tell you where it's going to end. It's going to end when Daniel Bradshaw's generation and Aaron's generation just says, you know, I don't care how crazy the Democrats were at their rainbow jihad. I'm just, I'm, I'm so tired of lying to myself. I'm not taking part in this process anymore. And we're about one election cycle away from that happening. Okay? Now, I don't want that to happen because I think that's a false choice too. So let me tell you what I've learned the last couple of years, being on both sides of this debate. Next. Most of us have tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, built up in equity in our homes. It's become our savings account, our retirement nest egg, maybe a quick cash. 
in case of emergency. Now imagine all of that equity, though, is gone. Stolen by online thieves, it's called home equity theft, and the FBI calls it one of America's fastest-growing crimes because thieves have discovered that our home titles are kept online now. They forge a few documents to make it appear you sold your home. Then they take out loans using your equity. You may already be a victim of equity theft and not even know it. So you need to figure out what to do here because no bank can help you or your identity theft protection can't do it either. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a firewall around your home's online title and mortgage. And the instant they detect any tampering, they mobilize to shut it down. Protect your most valuable asset from equity thieves. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. And enter your address to see if you're already a victim. And register now for 60 risk-free days of protection for your home and your equity at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. So I want to speak because I'm the middle generation here. I'm the Gen Xer. My parents were baby boomers. My kids are Aaron's age and the generation after. And so I, I out of each side, of, on both of these ears, each side of my head, I hear all of your laments about the other. Let me start with the elders first. I know you're scared about losing your country. We talk about that on this show. I don't believe, we'll talk about this tomorrow in the Days Group, I don't believe most of the Democrats, I think a few do, I don't believe most of them believe most of what they were saying in that climate summit yesterday. I don't. Just look at the way they live. I don't believe they believe it. But I think that's actually worse. It's actually worse. Because it, it shows that they, if I'm right, it shows that they believe they have to put all kinds of politically damaging things that will kill them in a general election. They have to put it on tape in order to win this primary. That's, to me, even worse. Because it shows that the adults are, cannot be put in charge of the Democratic Party anymore. The inmates are running the asylum here. It's one floor at the cuckoo's nest now. It's just Danny DeVito saying, hit me, and, and that one Indian guy is holding Jack Nicholson up so he can dunk the basketball. That's all that's going on there. There's like, no, no one's taking any meds anymore. There's, no, one's, no one's even wiping when they're done in the bathroom. It's just chaos. That's what it tells you. The adults have given, Nurse Ratchet has realized, I can't rein this in anymore. I'm giving, it, I'm giving over. Have at it. And I understand why when you see that, you're like, no matter, I don't care who the Republicans are. I don't maybe even like them. I, I can't afford to let this win. I can't afford to, I'm at the end of my rope here. I'm, you know, I'm not buying green bananas right now. I can't afford to hand this America to my kids. That'd make me a bad American. You're right. But you need to understand though, that you're framing your, your choice in a way that, that you're undermining all of the things you tried to teach those kids as they were growing up. When you told them to be the exception, to, to stand in the gap, to not waffle under pressure at school, to not change their views because of a rogue college professor's bullying. All of the things you encouraged them to do and then punish them when they didn't do them. You're undermining all of that discipline right now. And then I want to go to the younger generation. 
the average 28-year-old male in America is more likely to be living at home with a parent than married at a home with a woman and a kid. Your generation is is one of this one of the is the most technologically savvy and maybe the most learned generation of humans this planet's ever had. But you're also criminally ignorant about how the world actually operates. And most of that's not your fault. You've been insulated from it. Most of you haven't had fights. So you don't know that you, you just can't text something to somebody and then show up at school and not worry about that dude is going to bust my teeth in before recess or gym class or after school. He doesn't live in fear of a lot of that anymore. That's why you have so much bullying, by the way. So there's no law of the jungle now. It's, same, it's, like, gun, it's like gun control for schools. The bullies read the no bullying sign. They're not like, oh, you know, it's going to take this kid's lunch money, but they had a no bullying sign, so I decided not to. No, the people who would actually stick up for you, they're not fighting back, and the bullies are still bullying with no check and balance. This is the universe that you guys have walked into. Most of you have not raised a family, haven't been fired from a job that you cared about, a career, not a job, a career you cared about. Haven't met a mortgage, a payroll, and it's really easy to sit back here from the back seat, when you've, got the, when you've got the benefit of GPS and criticize your parents and grandparents because they're not reading the map fast enough to get you where you think you need to go. Have some empathy. Your the parents and grandparents here need some self-awareness because you're just out there, you're out there for Team GOP undermining all of the lectures and sermons and messages you tried to give these kids growing up to make them wholly different, set apart. You're undermining all that. Have some self-awareness. Your kids are revolting against the hypocrisy. You can hear it in Daniel's email that I read. On the other hand, for this younger generation, have some empathy. You didn't live through a period of time where America that, that you were handed was this. And then now you're about to hand it to your kids and grandkids and it's something totally different. You didn't watch that on your watch. Aaron cannot remember a time when we didn't kill 4,000 babies a day. In fact, and that's, that's a heavy reduction from what it was 20 years ago. Aaron doesn't know that world. You don't know a world you couldn't just get porn on your phone. You don't, you don't even remember what it was like when we had to like go into the, remember we had to like, there was always when you got together with the fellas, who's going to bite the bullet and be the guy that goes in the back room at the video store and walks out with that movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually no one, ha no one wanted to go through that shame. And so you like talked yourselves out of doing it. Okay. <laughs> you guys have never lived through any of that. Have some empathy for what your parents and grandparents have watched happen over the course of their lifetimes. They're afraid. They're afraid of what awaits you and their grandkids. So I want to go back to Jerry Falwell Jr.'s email or letter. Let me reword. Let me leave everything the same. Everything about it the same. I'm going to reword one section. Suppose if he had said, while I disagree with you, Congressman, on the issue of marriage and believe that is God's design and institution alone. And I'd happily welcome you to Liberty University to discuss that with me and our elder board and why we think that is such a vital, fundamental value to conserve. I also recognize that despite that deep disagreement on that issue, 
I still agree with you far more than I agree with whoever the Democrats will nominate in what is a swing district. And so I'm hoping that there are some other areas where we might be able to work together for the common good. Because was his Liberty score 0%? It was not. What was it? 67%. What do you think of a Democrat won that district? What do you think their Liberty score might be? Well, you've done that skit on this show. It might be higher. You've- <laughs> not higher than 67. <laughs> yeah. He, I, it, we, yeah, we have Democrats that get higher than the Republicans, like Lindsey Graham. Yeah, but not higher than 67. You wouldn't get above 40, okay? No matter who they elected, it wouldn't happen. If, if, if that is written in, if, if nothing else changes, and that is written into the letter, tell me that doesn't change the entire, in fact, if that's written into the letter, we're not even doing this show this week. We're not even talking about this. We're not interested in it. Because what's happened here is a Christian leader has waved, has, has, has waded into the moral pea soup of a culture in decline. Where, how can the righteous prevail if the foundations be destroyed? And as best as he can, and as honestly as he can, he is attempting to do as much good as he can do with the influence and platform that God has granted him. Doesn't mean he's right. Also doesn't mean he's wrong. But his motivations are totally different. Because if those, if those were your motivations, that is what you would have said. But your motivation was to serve at the altar of the Republican Party. So you wrote what you wrote in that note instead. You know, as conservatives, we like to think that we are, we are judged by our results. Our friends on the left like to believe they're judged by their intentions. You know, the Bible makes it pretty clear God doesn't really judge us by either one. Judges us by our motivations. Actions are what you did. Intentions are what you meant to do. But motivations are who you did them for. Because one plants and another waters and God gives the increase. God is in control of the results. Our job is faithful obedience with our motivations. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. If Baal is Lord, go and serve him. Who do the people say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What are your motivations? Why is Peter told, get behind thee, Satan? Because his motivations were at that moment were not to serve Christ's ministry, but to serve his own human inclinations of what it should look like and what its end result was going to be. See, Peter was looking at what he determined the end result was. Except, is God named Peter? Who's God? Very profound song by Stephen Curtis Chapman has the following title. God is God and I am not. That's the title. <laughs> God is God and I am not. It, most of our audience is not Daniel's Bradshaw and Aaron's generation for a format like this. Most of it is going to tell older. So now I want to speak exclusively to the older generation. I've, I've talked about this scene before. There's a, the movie Joshua, I adore it. And there's this great scene, my favorite scene in the whole film. And it's this old-fashioned, charismatic tent revival 
and the whole thing is rigged and there's this beautiful blind girl sitting there believing she's going to get healed. She's going to get her sight back. He said, the whole thing's rigged with microphones and there's ringers in the audience. It's just a scam to get money. And Jesus walks in and sees this going on. And while the, while the show is happening over here, without raising a stink or a ruckus or announcing himself, but with the confidence of the cosmos, like a boss, walks down that aisle in full view of everyone and gives this young blind girl her sight. And people are stunned. And then he turns to the, the charlatan on the stage and says the most damning rebuke you could have imagined. Doesn't even look at him and say false teacher, scam artist. No, he looks at him and says, you don't have to do it this way. And it breaks him, man. It's like, it's like when your mom used to say, I'm so disappointed. And your dad was just going to spank your ass. You're like, when mom looked at you though and said, I'm, I'm so disappointed right now. You're like, dad, uh, 12 pack of switches. And you know, I'm just going to, st- I'm going to be bare assed out back. I'm going to give you 30 minutes. Just have it, you know, go to town because you, you take that over mom and her disappointing look and tone of voice that broke you. That's when you knew you were bad to you in the older generation. Let me say those words to you. You don't have to do it this way. Don't be children. Be adults. We live east of Eden. We live in a morally confused world where we're not always going to get to make the perfect choice. We're not even going to make, sometimes be compelled to make ones that are even good. And there will be some of us that will say, if the choice isn't good, I just can't make it. Give them grace. And then there will be others that will, that will then say, if I don't make this imperfect choice, even worse things that are bad will happen. Give them grace too. When you make imperfect choices to your children, tell them, this is an imperfect choice, son, daughter. I wish we had better. I wish we had better options. This is your first election you're ever voting in. I, I wish somebody that you admired was on the ticket. I wish but you're going to learn and you might as well learn it now as you head off into the adult world. We don't always, we don't always get the benefit of not getting some of this on us east of Eden. And then you'll have to decide, son or daughter, whether taking part in this process, you can maintain your integrity by doing it. And if you can't, then you should get out. And I won't, I won't begrudge you any way. Either way, I raised you to make those kinds of decisions for yourself. See, treat them like they're adults. Stop being the fanboy loser. That's killing you. You think your you think your kids are are turning on because you voted for Trump? No, they're not. They're turning on you because you're lying about Trump to them, and you're letting Trump get away with things you'd never let your kids get away with, and you're making your kids think you love Trump more than them. Making your kids think adultery is totally cool now. Lying's grand. Everything's great. As long as it's Trump. And I watched it on Hannity last night. That's what's killing you. It's not the making of the imperfect choice. It's the lies that you're telling yourself and then trying to get them to swallow while you're doing so. 
Just tell the truth. In this world, we will have many troubles. In this world, we will at times have to align with Stalin to defeat what we perceive at the time to be a greater evil. That's an extreme example. But you have to do that sometimes. The problem isn't that Jerry Falwell Jr. wants to endorse a candidate that has different values than him. The problem is that this candidate has different values than him, and Jerry Falwell is lying to you and himself about that. He's giving this candidate a level of integrity and absolution he doesn't deserve. And that's, what's, that's what young Daniel Bradshaw is rebelling against. You know what? They're your kids. You raised them. The fact that they want to get involved in the process, as, 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 as corrupt as it is, indicates you raised them kind of right. Trust them a little bit more. Tell them the truth. Treat them, treat them like adults. Show them that you're struggling with this decision. And if you're not, well, then that's a bigger problem for you. But your kids aren't rebelling against you because you voted for John McCain or Mitt Romney or now Donald Trump or whatever the next GOP hack will be. They're rebelling against you because you're voting for these GOP hacks and making it look like they, they wrote the Apostles' Creed while you're doing so. It's the lies they can't stand. Give your kids more credit than that. One last time, if you are struggling with your health and to, make, to meet the weight loss goals that you would like, Give Riduzone a shot. It's got this molecule, OEA, which goes from the belly to the brain to let the belly and the brain know, or the, the brain know from the belly, hey, we're full here. Stop eating. That will help you with your portion sizes and your craving controls because that could be what's getting in the way of you meeting your ultimate health goals. All right? And right now you can try Riduzone. 30% off a three-month supply. Just using my name, Steve, as a promo code. When you go to the website, riduzone.com. Again, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And here's what you need to know about Riduzone. It's not loaded with chemicals, stimulants, caffeine, and it's, it's FDA accepted as well. All right? So it's just OEA. That's the signal that helps the belly tell the brain, stop eating. All right? Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Use promo code Steve to get 30% off of a three-month supply. I'm going to call an audible on overtime. I wanted to have some time for you guys to respond and react to what I just said here, and we're out of time. So we will either tackle the Christy Blasey Ford attorney's topics tomorrow on the show, or we'll save it for a future program, But because I want to give you guys a chance to respond to what I just said here, all right? So we're going to continue this conversation from Theology Thursday over in the overtime for our subscribers, blazetv.com slash dace. If you would like to subscribe for the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.